Hello, Green Pines. I'm here with Pastor Jared, where we're here for another segment of our Q&A, a weekly segment we're doing where we talk about the previous week's sermon um, together. <laughs> so here's a couple questions that we have about it. So this past Sunday, we looked at Mark chapter 4, um, and you and your family modeled storying for us. Uh, so the first question is, why story? Why tell stories? Yeah, well, I would say, first of all, it's easy. You know, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to read the commentaries uh, necessarily. Um, you don't even have to look up the definition of words. You can just tell the story. And so uh, it needs to be something everyone can do. And uh, I find that uh, just telling a story doesn't require a special degree. You just It's there. You read it. Um, you can put into it your own emphasis uh, as far as how you tell the story. But first is ease. Second, uh, Jesus did it. And so I think there's something to that, that he made that his primary mode of discipling uh, with his disciples as well as just the general crowd. Uh, he did it very intentionally. He was asked about it and said, you know, there's a reason I do this. Uh, and so we know that uh, it's pretty good if he can do it. Um, and then also uh, with that, the effectiveness of this. And, you know, you and I have seen uh, discipleship happen across the board with just storing as the primary method. Um, in in the working of that, we were able to watch folks uh, get really naturally involved in it. Um, and so that'd be the third thing that I look at that is that it's kind of appeals to us. Uh, humans love stories. We involve ourselves in the stories. We, we don't just watch them. We retell them and we put ourselves in the story. Um, I, our kids to this day, if they ever watch maybe the next few questions are, who am I in this story? Uh, and so we want to play it out. And so when we start sharing that, it, it allows us to drop some guards that we might have uh, and allow us to interact with the truths that are in it. I, I think about um, Nathan. You confronted David uh, with a very challenging truth, did it through a story so that David could bring his guards down, interact in it, and then see himself in the story. Uh, so... Uh, all those, I, I think, are really good reasons why to do a story. And not to mention, people watch YouTube. They're into the movies. Stories uh, are, in my generations of what I've watched, I've never seen stories be so popular, so prevalent as they are today. Yeah, and there's a, there's a reality that the majority of people in this world are what's called oral learners, which basically means they learn best through storytelling, um, through songs, singing, things like that, and poetry. Um, so it's an important tool for using. I know even when we were in China, we'd often talk about as we were sharing the creation to Christ story with people, where we'd just basically tell the story of the gospel, beginning at creation and getting to Christ. Um, and people, we'd end it and say, um, do you believe this and are you willing to follow Jesus? And people would say yes. And it almost seemed too easy because all we were doing was telling a story and asking people if they wanted to believe and follow Christ. And the answer was yes, um, that we didn't have to have this big theological understanding or break down these preconceived constructs or things like that. It was just telling a story. And so we talked this past week, you modeled it as a family. And so for families that have younger kids, what's the value in doing this for kids that are age two, three, four, that may not remember this a couple years down the road. Yeah, um, you know, when they're two and uh, they're not going to remember the details of it. Um, 
And it's, <laughs> you know, as I've asked my kids these questions, you know, it's like, oh, they don't remember some of these stories. Like, you know, we did these a lot. You know, how do you not remember these things? Uh, and so there's there can be a, a discouraging aspect of it, especially when you're in the moment and, you know, they're running around or they're dancing and you're like, oh, they're not paying attention. Um, but there is still a value in it. Uh, for one, it uh, shows priority. Uh, to your two-year-old, your three-year-old, four-year-old, uh, when you stop and you say, we're going to do this as a family together, they know that's different. Um, you've just raised the bar on the content of, of what this is, and there's a priority that you're putting into this. And so it's it's a way of teaching them early on what's important, uh, what things you hold dear and that you want them to know and learn. Uh, and so uh, that's one thing is establishing priority of worship that honestly is you can't reproduce that by going to church one time a week. Uh, going to church one time a week is important, but it's not on the same level as you and your family doing this together uh, and, and establishing that priority. Uh, and so they'll take it different. They'll receive it differently. And as well, um, you know, we have, um, we do the chapel on preschool, and the ages there are mostly three-year-olds and four-year-olds. Um, two-year-olds, it's a little bit too long for them to come in. And if I had a two-year-old at our home, we'd probably just do like a minute, two, three-minute deal. Um, but what we've seen in a three-year-old and four-year-old, after you tell your story, ask basic questions. You know, uh, what was Jesus doing in the boat in the middle of the storm? Um, you know, just basic questions uh, that it's there. Um, what did the disciples ask Jesus to do? Uh, what did they say to him? And it le- allows them to process the story a little bit more, lets you know that they're into it uh, to some degree. Also, it gives you a feed bo- feedback point. If they're not getting it, it tells you, okay, there's something else you got to do and reconnect with them to tell the story. But you'd be amazed. I, I, the parents afterwards uh, will talk to me. You know, not all of them, but some of them will say, you know, my child really was was asking me about these things later on, or brought these things to my attention, uh, and they're learning, and that's really encouraging. They'll learn more than you realize at uh, three and four as you do this. So, um, first and foremost, it's reinforcing to you and to make a priority. Um, and you know, I don't remember all the meals I've had. You know, if you asked me last week what meals did I eat, I may not be able to give you the details, but I will know that I ate. Um, in the same way, they may not be able to tell all the details of the stories, uh, but it's the long view. Doing something small and short, but consistently over a long time, uh, don't overestimate what that can do. Yeah, I know. A friend of mine um, just had a, their first baby about... I guess it was two weeks ago now, and about a week after she'd been born, they showed a, a shared a picture on social media of them having their first time of family worship together. Now, obviously, that as a one-week-old baby, she's not going to remember that time of family worship, but it's already beginning that habit of them regularly worshiping together as a family. And so that was a cool and encouraging picture to see. Um, So the next question or final question really is how frequently should we be having this time of worship? What's that look like on kind of a bigger scale? If we're going to call big scale, a 10 minute whole family together or just small bedtime type things, how frequently or regularly should these things? Yeah. You know, I think that is determined um, 
one, by the age of the child, and two, the interest of the children in general. Uh, and then third, your own schedule, uh, your, own, uh, your own rhythm and what works out for you guys. Um, I would encourage at least once a week um, that you do that so that there is a repetition, uh, more for your sake of just being consistent with that. If it's kind of beyond that, then it gets a little haphazard, haphazard in your rhythm, and so it's hard to really make a commitment to that. Uh, and so I would say at least once a week. Uh, but for you know, the boys, and when they, when they were really young, um, you know, there's a certain ritual of going to bed, um, and part of that ritual was telling a story. Uh, and so for that time, it was more than um, once a week. It was as many times as I was home uh, and, and there at the time. And they'll be, you know, when you have it at the bedtime, um, you'll find they'll be motivated because if it involves delaying bedtime, they're all for it. Um, the real challenge will be with you and your energy. Uh, to make it happen, uh, especially at you know eight o'clock, seven thirty, whenever bedtime is. Uh, but I found that when they're younger and you incorporate in the bedtime, um, it, it gets uh, more frequently than uh, a once a week. Um, as they get older, um, it might be that you move it to once a week, and that largely depends on again your schedule, their interest in it, um, and their age. Well, thank you, Pastor Jared, for this time. And so this is something we're, as we did last week, we're going to continue to do, have this Q&A segment about this sermon previously. I know this week was a bit more focused on the model of what we did rather than the actual text. But moving forward, we'll continue to do this. You can also listen to this on in podcast format. We have, it's called the Growing Faith Podcast. It's something we used to do in the past and we're trying to get back in the rhythm of doing. But you can search for that on the Google Play or Play Music, I guess is what it's called, store and um, Stitcher, Podbean, a couple other podcasting services have it. And we're hoping to get it on some of the Apple ones as well. But would encourage you guys to check that out as well. And we'll try and keep this regularly going. So thank you. And Green Pines has left the building. 